and welcome to another episode of Unstoppable Overcomers, and I'm your host, Dorothy Odell, for this evening. I want to give a shout out to our sponsor of today's show, thekimbra.com. If you're needing time, money, and resources, then definitely go over to thekimbra.com right now and take a look at what they got to offer. It is amazing rituals that will help you definitely get more time, money, and resources into your busy schedule. Uh, and tell them Dorothy sent you over at Unstoppable Overcomers. With that, I would love to bring to the stage our amazing guest, Jason. Mickey, how are you doing today, sir? I'm doing very well, Dorothy. How about yourself? Well, you know, I'm doing great. Christmas is now over. The holidays are past us. And I'm just really happy to be on the other side of that. Yeah, I don't know absolutely. About you. <laughs> absolutely. It was great. So it's, it goes by so fast. It's exhausting and it's over. And you just have a moment to breathe. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So for those of you that have no idea who Jason Mickey is, Jason, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and we'll go, we'll go into your overcoming story in a little bit, but let's just hear who you are and what it is that you do. All right. Yeah. Great. So I am, um, I'm originally from Seattle. I was born and raised there. And, um, you know, I was born with a, uh, we're going to get into this more in a little bit, but I was born with a pretty rare blood condition. And um, I was one of the few individuals that overcame that and uh, got married, uh, had a beautiful baby daughter, moved to Las Vegas, was going to UNLV, studying to be a child psychologist, everything in the world looked great. And then, you know, life threw some curveballs at me and my life changed drastically. And, um, you know, sitting inside the, the, room that i was sitting in after all that you know alone by myself i you know took a look at my life and decided you know i'm there's a reason i'm still here and um let's let's get let's get moving let's get moving and i met an amazing woman um renee and uh she said don't get uh, too attached to me i'm moving to texas when my son graduates from high school and i said Texas sounds good. I've never been there. And, uh, and we moved to Austin together and we're there for a year. And then we came to Houston and uh, got married. I asked her to marry me. And she said, yes. And uh, we've just celebrated our seventh wedding anniversary. So wow. I, I live in Houston, Texas. I love it here. I'll tell you what, if I would have known how great Texas was, I'd have moved here decades ago. Now, Texans tell me, native Texans tell me, don't say that because everyone's going to keep moving here. But it's a, it's a great state. It really is. I love San Antonio. Oh, Give me the river walk and I am there. Uh, as a matter of fact, I went there about a decade, actually more than a decade ago. Um, back then I was following uh, an amazing coach by the name of Danny Johnson. And she just happened to be in San Antonio more than once. So I went and I'm telling you, that is a beautiful, beautiful city. Um, the great state of Texas is amazing. So anybody that has never been, as a matter of fact, I, I've said to my husband when I met him seven years ago, I'm like, you know, I, I really got to take you there because it, it's something to walk it, to experience it. Um, and so I totally get you. So yeah. the river walk is great. There's a piano bar there that uh, whenever we're there, we, we go to that. I absolutely love. Yeah. Oh, wow. Now you're making me want to go to Texas. Thanks. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Jason. <laughs> Come on down. When, when I, when I get to town, I'll look you and your amazing wife up and, you know, maybe we could have dinner or something. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. So getting back to your overcoming story, I know you said that you had like a, a rare blood uh, blood type. Um, and so tell us more about that. What has yeah. been your journey with that? So, you know, I was born in, and I got sick right away and they had me in the hospital in, in a children's orthopedic hospital in Seattle and not sure what was wrong with me. And they told my parents that I had something called congenital agranulocytosis, which was a fancy way of saying I didn't produce um, any white blood cells, which are you know, your main fight against bacterial infections. And, you know, back then, and this is the early 70s, like 1970 to about 75, um, I was in and out of Children's Orthopedic Hospital with pneumonia and other bacterial infections just constantly. And... Um, you know, as a kid, as a child being sick, it, that's your life. That's what you know. And, um, you know, you don't get to see what it looks like for other children that are healthy. So, you you know, I grew up that way, 
just, you know, being used to being sick and dealing with that as, as it came up. And, you know, now that I'm an adult, I know a lot more about the disorder. It's actually called Kostman's syndrome. So uh, severe chronic neutropenia. I just don't produce neutrophils. And, you know, modern medicine is great. They came up with a medication called Neupogen. And I give myself a, a shot of Neupogen every day and my bone marrow actually grows white blood cells. So Amgen made that and it's a phenomenal medication. And, um, you know, so it keeps me healthy. But, you know, growing up, you know, being sick and in and out of the hospital, I had a unique opportunity to see, um, you know, other children. And, and this is a it sounds like a weird thing to say, but a unique opportunity to see other children that were sick and didn't make it. Um, because not all the kids in, you know, a, a children's hospital like that survive. And kids talk to each other. And, you know, it, it was just it was a really unique experience that shaped the rest of my life and how I saw. Um, other people and the goodness inside of them. I was going to say, being being a young child and and knowing that you have this um, this this blood disorder, but knowing that other kids are dying from it, what what was going through your head when you you know sharing your story with other children back then? If you remember, I mean, yeah, you know, memory is an interesting <laughs> thing, right? Um, because it's not accurate. Any <laughs> any detective will tell you that. So yeah. but my, uh, so I'll give you what my memory gives me, yeah. um, which is, you know, I, I felt, I felt unwhole. I felt broken. I felt unworthy. I felt like there was something wrong with me. Yeah. And, you know, that was how I, I grew up. And, you know, there were some events that happened. Um, some of the kids when I was in, uh, in grade school, elementary school, in Auburn, Washington, you know, they found out that I had a blood disease. One of my friends said something and all of a sudden I was the the kid that, you know, they were like, don't go near him. You'll, you know, you'll catch his blood disease. And, you know, so it was just, it was, it, I want to say it was, it was tough. Yeah. It was hard growing up that way, being sick. And I was, I was tiny. I was just a frail little, you know, short, skinny, sickly looking kid. So yeah, you get picked on when you look like that. <laughs> Kids are so cruel sometimes. I, I totally get you. Like I had the opposite problem. I had, I wasn't skinny. I was overweight. And so no matter, it, it seems like no matter what you're going through as a child, there's always some kid that's going to knock you down and which is un unfortunate and which still happens today, which really ticks me off because I have a stepson who's 12 that is going through the same thing. You know, he's a little different than anybody else, but it's just like his, his likes and dislikes are, you know, different than anybody else. And so p kids have to feel like they have to pick on them for that. And, and so, you know, that really bothers me that even here we are, we'll say 20 years later, <laughs> you know, and we're still having the same issue. Right. Yeah. Uh, and, and so I'm sorry that happened to you. Um, and, you know, all I can say is hurt people, hurt people, um, which doesn't make it right, but yeah. it, it it is what it is. It's very, that's a very accurate statement. Absolutely. You know, I, I had the, I had the unique opportunity um, between fifth and sixth grade. My family moved from the Seattle area. My dad was no longer working at Boeing and he went over to um, the Hanford nuclear site to work out there. So we moved to the Tri-Cities. And I remember moving there and, and vowing to myself, no one will ever know about my blood condition. And I, I went through junior high, high school, People had no idea because I didn't want anyone to know because I didn't want to be treated the way I was treated. And my, you know, I, we talked about high school and my experience of high school was phenomenal. I loved high school, right? I was uh, associated on the associated student body. I you know, played golf. I, it was just, it was, it was great. It was fun for me. And um, that, you know, I, that was because nobody treated me, you know, like I had a disease because no one knew. And I just dealt with it. I took antibiotics every day back then. So. Right. And so you said it was, I think you said it was hereditary. So did either of your parents have, uh, have that or? So here's the interesting thing back then, and you're talking, you know, late sixties, I was born in 69, um, in 1970, medicine wasn't what it is today. And they told my parents that it was just a, a gene mutation is what they said. Oh. And, um, you know, my, my mom did the thing where she blamed herself because apparently she got a German measles shot while she was pregnant with me because they were going to travel. And she's always thought that it was because of that. 
Well, with uh, modern gene sequencing, um, things have changed. And, you know, I, I grew into adulthood. Now, remember, at this time, I didn't really have any concept of other children with my disorder, because even today, there's only about 1500 Kosman syndrome patients on the planet. Most of them die due to infection and, and, you know, it turns into cancer in a lot of them. So, you know, that's, that's just, uh, you know, what it's like. So, and I apologize. What was your original, what was the question you just asked? <laughs> if your parents had the. Got it. Got it. Yeah. yeah. So no, they didn't. And, you know, I have three sisters. Uh, none of them have it. And I was told by, you know, my doctors, it's not hereditary. And, you know, I, um, I got married to my first wife. Uh, I was nine, we were 19 and 20 years old you know, and we had a daughter a year later and my daughter was sick. And I remember sitting in the hospital thinking, oh no. And my hematologist, Dr. Matarang came in and, and he said, Jason, I'm really sorry. Your looks like your daughter has it. And they put her and my wife in a, a flight for life. She was really sick. They put her in a flight for life helicopter and they flew her to children's orthopedic hospital and i got in my car and i drove the three hours from the tri-cities to seattle the whole time <laughs> emotional right and, and not understanding and i got there and uh got to where they were got into their room and a gentleman walked in a doctor and he was just staring at me and he said i cannot believe this and I said, what? He goes, you don't remember me, do you? And I said, no. And he goes, I was your doctor when you were a baby and a child. He was now the head of children's orthopedic, Dr. Chard. And he wow. said, he said, you don't know what a miracle it is that I'm seeing you standing here alive. This is unbelievable. And you have a child. And so we, we talked and he said, yeah, we, we now know that it, it is hereditary. And, you know, all of your children, it's dominant. Your children will all, you know, have this. So. And so was that your decision not to have another one after, after you? Yeah, it, it, well, I thought about it, you know, I, I thought about it for a while and because it was manageable. That was when we found out that Amgen had made that you know, great drug called Nupagen. Back then it was in a phase three clinical trial and Ashley needed it. So they got Ashley on it and I got to see that it actually worked. Here was, you know, my daughter and I. What I was worried for was that she was going to have the same experience of a childhood that I had. And I would not wish that for anyone. It was horrible. Um, and I, I saw this medication working and they got me on it shortly thereafter. And, you know, so I've been on that stuff for 30 years now and um, it works. It's it's great. And so I thought, OK, this is a manageable condition. This is I, I can have more kids. Um, you know, and then when Ashley was about four and a half, five, she started getting nosebleeds and got real pale and was bruising and you know, she had leukemia and she didn't have the, you know, they, there's different types of leukemia. There's chronic leukemia. There's, you know, acute lymphocytic leukemia, ALL, which is what most children have. That's what people know, you know, know as childhood leukemia. And Ashley had AML, which is acute myelogenous leukemia. And what we found out was that in about 50% of Kosman syndrome patients, they, their bone marrow, um, where the genetic abnormality is, um, turns into leukemia, turns into acute myelogenous leukemia. And uh, to my knowledge, still to this day, there's a 0% survival rate once that happens. Right. And actually lived a pretty long time, um, you know, for, for, having that type of leukemia she had a bone marrow transplant but it just it didn't take and and she, she passed away at the age of eight years old wow i'm sorry to hear that um and i i know when we had talked off air that um in all of that uh the pre-interview part is what i'm talking about um and i'm not sure if you want to go into that depth here but um you know when you said you when she got she was going through chemo in that, uh, you know, the, the time with that. I mean, I can't, I've seen my dad go through chemo and radiation and that was hard enough. Like, I can't imagine you seeing your daughter going through chemo treatments and, and knowing that, Hey, you know, she has this, um, she's got cancer and, you know, is everything going to be all right? And, and things like that. So, uh, if you want to talk a little bit about that, like once she got into that stage, yeah. what was life like for you guys? 
Yeah, so um, right after we got the diagnosis, um, she started chemotherapy and um, I, I was working. I was working downtown. I was still going to UNLV, studying to be a child psychologist. That was what I thought I wanted to do with my life. Um, and, uh, you know, working at the Lady Luck waiting tables, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But my Whatever sister, gets the bills paid, exactly, I say. <laughs> exactly, when, you know, when you're young. So um, I get a call from my wife and, and she said, they're taking Ashley into the intensive care unit. You have to get down here now, not in a few minutes, like right now, get here. And uh, I was uh, I was so upset that, uh, you know, a friend of mine, uh, Mike Jaffe, Mike, if you're watching, give me a call. Um, you know, Mike took me to the hospital and um, Ashley was in septic shock. Uh, she had an abscess internally and um, she was, you know, the infection was bad and she went into cold, what they call cold septic shock. And I remember going into the intensive care unit and looking at her and her little nose was starting to get dark in her tips of her fingers and her ears and her toes were, you know, they turned black wow. and they had induced a coma. Right. And we're, we're basically at this point, all they were focused on was trying to save her life. And our friends came down, um, you know, my, my dearest, closest friend, uh, Mary Rendina, um, she was there the whole, the whole time that uh, Ashley was sick and she came and she prayed with us and, um, you know, was there supporting us and the doctors kept coming out and giving us updates and telling us, you know, we're going to do everything we can. And I, I, I went in next to her hospital bed and I got down on my knees and uh, ended up just flat on the floor and had an internal conversation with my maker. And I told him it's okay. I understand you can take her you can have her back i'm giving her back to you thank you and um you know she she didn't pass away she came out of the septic shock um and when she came out of it she didn't speak for about a week week and a half she didn't say anything she would just stare at everyone and we thought something was wrong like there was and they had told us they said listen if she makes it you got to be prepared because she's probably going to lose her legs like right below the knee, she'll lose her hands, maybe some of her arms. She's going to lose her nose, some of her ears, just because there's no blood. They couldn't even get a heartbeat with a Doppler on her on her ankle, right? It was that, they call that clamping down is what they call that, where the body just pumps blood to the internal organs in your brain trying to keep you alive when you're in septic shock. Um, she came out of it. She didn't lose anything, but she didn't talk. And so we thought, well, maybe there's some kind of vocal damage so they did scans and they said there's no damage she's just not talking <laughs> and um my sister carrie had uh, flown in from seattle and she was with ashley and uh, ashley turned to her and said annie carrie i saw god wow and my sister was like okay what do you look like what was <laughs> and you know ashley had a ashley had a description of you know, what heaven looked like to her as a child, to a sunflower castle. And you know, basically what she, you know, told, you know, my wife, Deborah and I was that she had a conversation with God and, you know, God said, it, you're home. And she said, I'm not, I, I, you have to let me go back. My mom and dad aren't ready. <laughs> and if you would have known Ashley, you would have known that she's very skilled at getting her way. And her, her answer to why she made it was that she came to an agreement with God that God let her come back. And that's what she told everybody. She would share that story all the time. Oh. And, um, and she, you know, she came back and, and, and then we had her bone marrow transplant and, you know, and she told us, she, she told me and, and Deb, she said, God told me I could come back, but next time I have to stay. Oh, wow. And we didn't that, know what that meant. We didn't know if it had been 20 years, 80 years. Like, all right. Yeah. That must have been like, I can't even really describe what that must have been like for you and your wife back then. Like it, it to know that and then to, you know, like you said, how long is the next time? You, we're all on borrowed time, let's face it. However, when your little child is telling you this story, it's just like, oh, okay. You know, and, and you know, and. I believe yeah. you, but it's, it's, it's one of those things that's unbelievable, but in the same sense, you, you do believe, right? And for, for 
to to find out what heaven really looked like that would be amazing <laughs> well it was it was really something and you know it was really interesting ashley had these little things that she would do you know after that she kept a little purse with her all the time and it had just all sorts of stuff in it and if she met someone she would root around in that and she would give them something out of it and she would ask them for something and sometimes it was something specific that you had on a brooch a pin you know and when she first started doing that um my wife deborah was fine with it i wasn't i'm like ashley don't do that and and she's like no dad you don't understand i'm like okay so <laughs> And, you know, there were times where she would give someone someone and they would say something like, oh, my gosh, I had a ring just like this when I was a child. My mom gave it to me and I lost it. Like things like that happened. So God yeah. was using her totally 100 percent. Yeah. And, you know, there was some there were some other things that she did that were unnerving um, to people. Um, I, I remember one of the nurses on the floor, Janet, um, it, it, at a point was so unnerved that she didn't actually want to take care of Ashley anymore. And come to find out Ashley had, um, her, Janet's mom had passed away and Ashley was talking to her in, in about her mom and like telling her some things that apparently, you know, and I never got any details on that, but you know, the, the detail, the most detailed one of those instances that I did get was, uh, our priest at our church, father, Joe Anthony, um, Ashley woke up one morning and she had a lot of tubes and wires and just all sorts of medical stuff. And we had to get up in the morning and clean things and change things and get her all ready. And um, she, you know, did this. She wouldn't let us touch any of anything. And she said, call, you know, call Father Joe. I need him here. I need to talk to him. And I'm upset at this point because we've got doctor's appointments and we're going to be late and I don't like being late. And um so finally, we, we call Father Joe. And we're like, hey, listen, Ashley said she won't let us get her ready. You need to get down here. So he comes to our house and he comes in and goes in her bedroom. And she tells me, she tells me, Deb, I need you to leave. So we go in the kitchen and we hear her yell, no, you need to go outside. And so we're outside in our driveway and I'm pacing and I'm mad. I'm like, what is going on? And <laughs> I remember Father Joe coming out and he was white. <laughs> and you know father joe smoked and you know he was he was shaking and he couldn't light his cigarette oh lit it for him and i'm like what is going on and he said ask me another time so he told the story at ashley's funeral that oh. ashley had a message for him from his mom and father uh <laughs> father joe was uh um I want to say he was um, Polish, maybe. I don't remember. Um, but his mom had a nickname for him that was in the foreign language that his mom spoke to him. And Ashley called him by that. Oh, my god! And he said, I went back to my office. I went through my old sermon notes trying to find where did she hear me say that? And she remembered it. Or And, and she described his mom. And he looked through his office because he used to pick her up after church and carry her around, right? Give her stuff from the gift shop. Um, he said, I couldn't find anything. There's no way that she could have known what she told me other than the the story that she had. He didn't share any details. It was very private. And, you know, he didn't do that. But, yeah, she she would do things like that. So Man, I wish I had met your daughter. That She sounds like so amazing. Yeah. Well, you know, one, of, one of her nurses, and this was her nurse that was closest to us. Her name was Lori. And, um, you know, Lori was a nurse on the cancer, children's cancer floor. And um, she she went through all the licensing and everything to start her own home nursing company specifically to take care of Ashley. And she became Ashley's nurse full time. She was at our house all the time. She went with us on our Make-A-Wish Foundation trip to Disney World. And, you know, having seen what Lori had seen as a nurse, she the way that she described it was she didn't really believe that there was a god and unbeknownst to us um she had a conversion at the end of ashley's life and at her at ashley's funeral she got up and you know went to the microphone and she said i'm a christian because wow. of what i saw she goes there you can't i couldn't deny it anymore the things that would come out of her mouth and the things that she would say there was no way to deny that there's a god 
So, you know, that was that was Ashley's amazing life. And I got to just be a witness to that. It's amazing how our children, you know, we can witness our children. Right. And I'm just in tears just by you sharing that, because so many times, you know, in, in life, life knocks you down but then something miraculous happens that only god you, there's no other explanation but other than you know god was in it or you know and he, by using a small child and he used ashley because ashley just had that childlike faith right and and you know the stories that you shared with us today it's uh it's a great reminder that all of us are called, but all, all of us are called, but fewer few chosen or something like that, or fewer. Yeah. And it, it's up to us whether we answer that call, right? Like we yeah. can, we all have it, um, but it takes a small child to really um, get to the heart. I love that. I, I could just, I don't know. I'm picturing this little girl doing this, like yeah. especially to your pastor and, and things like that. And I think that is so incredible. Um to be a witness to that because like miracles do happen every day and it's whether we are open to receive those miracles wow. um and wow and that is so amazing you have some amazing stories about your about your daughter yeah i i've <laughs> i've been told you've got to put that into a book and i'm yes. you know at some point i probably will you know my my wife deborah you know it, it was it was really really hard it was hard on me but i really watched my wife struggle and it was rocky there for us for a little bit in our marriage but we made it through that it's a tough thing to get through right the, right. the loss of a child our only child and about three years after ashley passed deborah got sick and you know she lived until 2010 she passed away when she was 40 after you know we've been married 20 years and you know i took care of her in the house the last two years on hospice i was not going to put her in a hospice we took care of ashley at home ashley died in our arms and you know my wife in 2010 when she passed died in my arms and at the gravesite, i stayed and so you know because i to have her lowered into the ground next to ashley and i didn't expect to be able to see ashley's casket and the crypt that they put it in down there and as they lowered deb's down next to it um they like rubbed against each other and there was this weird grinding sound and it was really strange my world stopped at that point you know and it stopped a little bit you know when ashley died i, I wouldn't let him take her out of the house i wrapped her up myself and i i held her and i i walked her little body down the driveway and i put her in the back of that ambulance when that ambulance drove away a small piece of me left with it. Like my dreams, my hope, my desire, life was just a little bit less after that. And when when Deb passed away and and I put her in the ground next to Ashley, everything came to just a, a, a stop. And I remember thinking, why am I still here? Like why in the why in the world, as sick as I was, how am I the one that's still here? Why? And it was in that that I really got to see the beauty that was both of their lives and the gift that it was for me to be able to experience that. Uh, because as amazing as Ashley was, her mom, Deborah, was just as amazing. Just an amazing woman. And it took me a while, right? So I struggled. And, you know, you, and, and men grieve differently. That's just what we do. <laughs> Sometimes we grieve in destructive ways. And I did that. But what I got out of the whole thing was, you know, what my purpose is. He actually answered me. He told me why I'm still here. You know, my purpose on this planet is to inspire people to discover and live a life that fulfills on God's intention and love for them. He doesn't make mistakes. Every single... he. There's a, a moment in time where he took a piece of himself and he made every single one of us and he gave us the gifts that he gave us. We're all unique. I've met a lot of people in my life. No one's the same. We're all blessed. We're all unique. And we have those gifts and those talents. And he gives us all a certain amount of time here. Ashley mm -hmm. and Deb taught me that not a minute more. When it's your time, you go, unless you can get up there and arm wrestle with them and get some more time like Ashley. And come does. back. Right. And come back. But, you know, and and then he gives you your resources. He gives you your wealth. And so my purpose on this planet is to help people find what 
was God's intention for them when they when he made them and then align their time, their talent and their resources, their wealth and give it away to the world in such a way that they leave the world a better place. And, you know, that's that's what I that's what I get to do for a living, which is phenomenal. <laughs> so help people discover their true purpose. I love that, Jason. And thank you so much for being vulnerable enough to share all of that, uh, especially the good, the bad and the ugly with Ashley and Deborah. Um, and like we talked about in the pre-interview, I see I heard it newly today um, what you what you went through. And, you know, um, we did the same thing with my dad. He, he died at home. And so having somebody die at home and in your arms is like it's, it's like I hope to God no one ever has to experience it. I really don't. Um, but for those of us that have getting on the other side of that and sharing our story so that people know that, hey, you know, in that in those dark moments, there is going to be light. And God uses those moments no matter what to get other people to the other side. Right. And yeah. I have no doubt that Ashley was being used um, in, in a major mighty way. You know, I, I I wish I could have met your pastor because that would be something awesome. Uh, you know, oh, and <laughs> this is the funny thing: you you never know what his plan is, and exactly. the more you resist it, the more violently he shakes your world. I'm going to put it that way. And oh. once you finally just say, "Okay, I lead I and I will follow," you your life changes. I I was lucky enough to you know meet Renee, my current wife. Um, and I have, I've got to be the luckiest guy on the planet, right? I, I had an amazing wife that passed away and then I was lucky enough to meet another, uh, just absolutely amazing woman. And, um, you know, I have a, a stepson, Tyler, and I, you know, my grandson Cass, and, you know, he was here for Christmas. It was phenomenal. Um, so you, you never know what he has in store for you and you've just got to keep the faith. Right. And, and, you know, there's something to be said about that. If you just keep the faith and just keeping one step in front of the other, he's going to like bring it full circle and bring you everything that you lost back. Right. And sometimes bigger and better than what we ever expected. Right. And I think we, we go through these hard times so we can relate to other people. And, you know, he doesn't use anything that we, that we've gone through for, for anything that, other than the betterment of everybody. Um, yeah, that's true. And, you know, we have a tendency as, as humans, right, to make things about us and and it's really not. And and we, we are amazing at creating meaning out of situations when the truth is it didn't really mean anything about you, the situation. And, you know, as we as we move through life, we really have the opportunity to experience life in a unique way um, when we when we just follow and we don't make things about us and we let him, you know, just there, there's a plan. There just is. <laughs> absolutely. Um, absolutely. One hundred percent. And, you know, if we I've been over the last couple of years, there's been a strong message that God has sent. Be open to everything attached to nothing and just uh, just, you know, keep on putting one foot in front of the other there. I can't explain some of the things that my family and I have been through other than to say, you know, God has used every bit of it. There, there's no way in the world that my father can be on dialysis and get off of it without a kidney transplant. It's unheard of. There, he's the only one in the world that, is, that wow. has ever happened to. That's a miracle. Um, that's yeah, that, that's a living, breathing miracle. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, literally when somebody says they have nine lives that, you know, that was my dad. Um, and so to truly see medical transformations and medical things that cannot be explained by the um, human eye, um, you know, I, I've witnessed it over and over again. And I, I loved hearing Ashley's story because it just it was a reminder for me that, wait, wait a minute here you know, uh, there's other people out there that, that go through these things and she was a willing vessel. So I, yeah. I just adored that story. And, you know, um, 
we will make sure that Ashley is totally remembered by sharing her story here. Yeah. Uh, and it will definitely be on our Roku channel in, in the next week or so, so that more people can hear it. Um, because Excellent. I, I truly believe that, um, like you said, the, the nurse became a believer uh, of Jesus Christ because of Ashley. So let's, let's see how many, let's see what God does with this. I'm excited for that. Um, and uh, uh, absolutely. I'm trying to think of the proper words and fault isn't even really the word I'm looking for, but it's just her, her story is, is so powerful. And uh, for somebody that was so small and mighty, you know, she's carrying a huge lasting impact. So thank you for sharing her story. My pleasure. Oh, man. How do we top that? Like, seriously? <laughs> <laughs> well, no, it's really... I, I got to see uh, um, some of the um, shows, your previous shows, and it just really left me with a great appreciation for you and who you are and just helping people to bring their stories to other people. Um, you know, everything in this world exists in language and exists in communication. And you're giving a voice and you're giving that communication to the world. And there are people out there, Dorothy, that you are never going to meet that are impacted by what you do in such a way that, you know, they're, they're moved and they're inspired. And I would even say that um, stories save people's lives. Sometimes you hear something and it's what you needed to hear at that time to get you through the toughest situation. And if you hadn't have heard it, who knows what the outcome would have been. And so thank, I acknowledge you and I want to say thank you for being who you are for this world. It's awesome. Well, thank you for saying that. And, and you know, it's, when you said um, everybody has a story, like, absolutely. I had a coach that once told me, everybody has a story. You should share your story. And by not sharing your story, you're actually um, doing it a service to the world because our I could say have the same story that you do and vice versa, but we all are connected to different people. God has connected our, our lives and our souls with other people so that, Hey, if you don't share your story, then those people are not going to hear it. Right. And so by Absolutely. being obedient and by sharing um, your story, you're actually helping more people. So that was my soapbox. And that's why, thank you. That's why we, you know, we give this platform to people uh to be able to share it um so absolutely and you know we want to impact the world transform lives and and heal heal the planet as kimberly says uh because all life form is just not humans it, that's animals and everything else it, she's got more of the take on the animals than i do all right. I, I'm not really an animals person. <laughs> I am. I am. I work with a lot of veterinarians in, in my um, practice. And if I didn't, you know, if I didn't do what I do in, in the world, I would probably uh, be a veterinarian. I love animals. Oh, well, then there you go. See, we grew up, we grew up with animals, but they weren't, I don't know, like we had rabbits in the in the garage i don't know why we kept him in the garage uh but we was in the garage and a dog got into the garage and ate the poor bunny rabbit and since then i don't like dogs i don't want rabbits i don't want any animals um life is hard enough dealing with humans uh and dealing with lots of human life i don't need to lose an animal's life uh and maybe that's why and that just came out in your clearing just now after four seven <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. And Kimberly's in the back in the backyard saying or the background in the green room saying, I'm so happy. <laughs> <laughs> but Jason, we wanted to uh, thank you so much for sharing your story. And before we bring Kimberly on, there is one thing that we want to talk about, and there is an event coming up on January 13th. Can you please share what your uh what your story is in the January 13th? Um, yeah, so I'll be up in um, Chicago with some friends of mine, and um, I'm going to be speaking on separating um, myth from truth when it comes to money in your life and how money works. So, um, you know, I'll be speaking for about 45 minutes to an hour on that. And, um, you know, as a financial advisor, um, I have to be very careful uh, what I say. So uh, nothing that I'm saying right now is advice to any 
specific person or group of people. I can talk in generalities. Um, yeah, so, you know, people, people have a language around money. And that language that they have was given to them by their past experience with money, maybe what they saw their parents or their grandparents doing. And when people can get a new language for money and a new way to deal with money and understand how money really actually works, they can transform their lives. And, you know, when you can take your, your time, your talent and your money and you can use those things to and give those things away to the world um, to fulfill on whatever your true purpose is, that's when we do all the things that you mentioned earlier, right? We transform the earth. We, we heal the earth. Yes. So I'll be thinking I, about that. <laughs> I, I love that. And so we will have a, we will put in the comments um, the link to that. Um, ah, Kimberly, meaning making machines. I love that. I see that in the comments. That's what we are. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yes. She, I think she was saying that when we were talking about, um, Oh, forgive me. Your daughter's story. You know, we we mean things. We make things mean something that is not even really there. Um, and so I absolutely love that. Um, so yeah, I I I love that. I can't wait for January thirteenth um, for that event. We will have the link posted in the comments for you. Uh, so anybody wanting to join that um, join uh, that event, we will make sure that our guests have that. Uh, with that, though, I would love to bring the amazing Kimberly Genovese to the stage because she's in the back, just like, like so ecstatic back there. <laughs> and I guess I got to hit the button to bring her up before I do that. <laughs> so welcome, Kimberly. Hi. Hi, Kimberly. <laughs> Hello. I'm, so Dorothy, this is so similar to when we had Greg on the show. So, <laughs> right? Like, so, so Jason... I don't know what you know or don't know um, on this. Uh, we, the Holy Spirit, this is the Holy Spirit show. We just get mm -hmm. to be on it um, and produce it. And, um, and, you know, one of the things that we do is very intentionally, I don't necessarily know who's going to be on. Um, and, uh, and that formula has been working really well because, you know, I come and I hold space and I support. Yeah. Yes. It's, it's it's working. <laughs> um, and it's, it has us be less controlling the show and allowing um, the show to speak. And so we, when Dorothy first, we were first brought together on planet earth, <laughs> so to speak, uh, we, for real, right? Um, Cause you know, well, we've been happened. around and happened together, right? Yes. Right. For, for like mm -hmm. forever. Right. Um, that was uh, that was something for both of us that was so important and also equally important at that time was us being able to make a difference with the military. And so in, in that, we had the distinct privilege of uh, uh, the universe and I dare say God um, introducing us to the wonderful Greg Bicknell. <laughs> um, and uh, it's so perfect the tie into the show as you're speaking about your daughter. And I, I know Dorothy knows this because she's read my story. Um, and just uh, maybe just a reminder, I got to experience what your daughter experienced. Different, uh, different scenario. Um, I was in some hellacious abuse situations. Uh, um, and I got the distinct privilege to you know, get my arm, get wrapped around Jesus's arms and know that Jesus was real uh, at a very young age. So between four and six years old. Um, so when you were sharing, right, I was just like, yeah. And the only difference between your daughter and me is I didn't go on a reckless abandonment, unabashed sharing. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and so as I'm similar with the Greg thing, just to tie it all back for everybody who's not watched those shows. And I invite you guys to go back and watch the show with Greg Bicknell because it was hilarious. It was the same kind of thing. When I had that encounter with Jesus, he put on my heart a healing center, a restoration center where all life comes together and supports each other. 
and and transcends, right? Like not even like it's a healing as much as it's a transcendence. Uh, and and when Greg came on the show, I had no idea, right? Um, but he was literally in the midst of um, passionately creating an organization that would support military from suicidal tendencies involving horses, water, and communion, breaking bread, barbecue, as he liked to likes to say. Um, and so I was in tears on that show because that was like a reincarnation of that vision, right? And that that's the path that Dorothy and I have been on together in creating and causing. And now here we are with you. <laughs> And I dare say, I'm gonna have to go back and watch Greg's show because I oh, you yes, it's a show to be watched for real. It was December 31st of 2021. Okay, and this, yeah, 21, and this show is January 8th of 2024. Like, oh my gosh, (laughs) (laughs) January is our month, my dear. Well, January, and I'm also January is a month of renewal, right? It's a month of of being able to look, you know, mm-hmm. at what occurred in the previous year, and mm-hmm. to commit to, you know, the next year and in bringing forward the things that you want to bring forward. And this is a perfect time for this show because there are people out there that are listening right now that are saying, "Here's my, you know, my New Year's resolutions," and so often. Um, we don't enroll the other people in our lives and create a situation where we can fulfill on that. And so it just, it, it tapers off. And then the next year you're in it again. And so I invite everyone this year to really, you know, communicate with the people in your lives, get into conversations, talk about how you want to impact and change the world. Other people want to join you. They want to help. And we don't do it alone. We do it with, with teams that we create and you two have done that. So, amen. <laughs> yeah, amen. Right there. We've been in the trenches, literally. Speaking my language, shit. like literally. I know, right? Remember, like, you, oh my you, said, you said God, and then you said, I dare say his name. Say his name. He wants you to say his name. Say, everyone out there, say God, say Allah, say Yahweh, say his name. Yes. Right? Yes. Give him the glory yes. that he deserves. <laughs> yes, absolutely. A hundred percent. And it's interesting that I said that in this show, because as Dorothy knows, I am not bashful about saying God's name. And it was you know, perfect. Yeah, well, and it's but it, with Jason, it's perfect for the show, right? Because the show is for the audience, right? The show is for the people that are listening. Um, and uh, to, to your guys's point in the show, right? It's not about the three of us. It's about who we get to be as God's hands and feet. Um, and I have no, everything that comes out of our vessels is perfect. God, you know, makes it silver and gold and gorgeous and stunning and spectacular. And it's perfect in that I said it, you know, for those that might be listening. So you could invite them and, and, and let them know to be bold. And to your point, Jason, I have, um, I've danced in this because I, in my experience with God, God is love. God is everything and God is nothing. And, and so when I use that terminology for me, it really does land as whatever sources you currently is God. Uh, in that regard. And so the, the, I'm clear in my mind, right? Like more my, my mind was filtering from the, for anyone who's listening that might be triggered by the word God, which has really been a lot of Dorothy and my experience and being who we've gotten to be the privilege that we've had working with the military this last year, that sometimes when people are in their darkest spaces, you know, you never know what's going to trigger someone. And to be responsible for that, which is also, you know, part of what my part of the fundamentals here that I get to move us into here. It also January being a time of renewal can also be, we know statistically, a tough time for people. And so just that gentle reminder, if you're watching this show and you happen to be in a place of isolation, pick up the phone. Um 
having experienced it so many thousands of times uh, with others, we're clear it's a moment. It's just a moment. It's not your whole life. And so just get in communication with someone and please feel free to get in communication with us because we love you, uh, everybody out there, right? Absolutely. And I just want to share one thing because I just found this out um, a couple weeks ago. I was doing some digging and doing a post on social media and I didn't realize that Canada got on board with the US or vice versa. It doesn't matter. But the suicide hotline number for both Canada and US is 988. How freaking amazing is that? That So if, if, if you are in a crisis mode, then please reach out to 988, both Canada and the United States. Uh, but if you are just needing a somebody like a friend to talk to or a community to to reach out to, then reach out to Kimberly or myself or, or Jason and we will definitely um I'd rather get I'd rather get a phone call or a message at two o'clock in the morning than attend someone's funeral because they didn't think that they were worthy of it. So, um, yeah, that you know, and as somebody who has lost somebody on Christmas Day due to suicide, I know what it's like to be on the other side. So, um, you know, that's uh, anyways, that's not to bring it down, but to say that we're here for you. Yeah, Um, just the opposite. Always will be. Yeah. Just the opposite. We, we are the candle in the darkness and we're honored to get to be that, to get to be that space. So Ooh. Yes. I just got the candle in the wind <laughs> by Elton John throwing through my head right now. Uh, okay. Really- there you go. You're welcome. You're welcome. You're welcome. Yeah. And they're all with us. So the, making sure we cover both the light and the dark. Right. Um, and then uh, with that, Jason, we would love to hear your fundamentals. Yeah. So, you know, my, my first fundamental, I would say, is that I see the beauty of God's intention in everyone. And that's what I look for when I when I meet people. Um, he doesn't make mistakes. He created every single one of you perfectly. Absolutely perfectly. You're all unique. You're all gifted. And there's a reason you're on this rock with 7.9 or whatever the number is now, billion other unique people. We're meant to you know, be together and to, and to create and to fulfill on, on his intention. And I love helping people discover what that is and, and bring that to fruition in this world. That's number one. Number two is that I am my brother's keeper. And, and I really mean that. So I don't, I don't look at other people as separate from me. I look at them as my brother and my sister. I don't care what um, you know nationality you are or what religion you are. He made you the same way he made me. We're cut from the same cloth and I'm here to help. I, I want to be there. I want to listen. Um, and then number three, um, and this is a, a big one that I just got. This was a gift that Sandy Robbins gave me. Um, I listen into existence. I found that a lot of times when I'm listening to people, I'm listening from somewhere. I'm bringing something. um, And what I hear is shaped by what's going on in my head. And earlier in my life, when I was a young man, what was going on in my head is that I was unworthy, that I was less than, that I was broken. And I tended to hear that. And I listened to that into existence. My life was different, right? And as soon as I got that, I can bring nothing to a conversation and just listen to people and be with them in communication and really get them. You ever known someone that says, nobody gets me, nobody gets me? Yeah, because no one really listens to them. Once someone really gets listened to, Whatever that is, that conversation that's playing in their head that they just can't stop, that leads them to suicide, leads them to drug abuse, um, alcoholism, whatever it is that they're doing destructively, they just need someone to help them complete that conversation and listen to them. And, you know, you you talked about suicide and um, my late wife, Deborah, she had a younger brother, Donovan, and he was an army ranger, um, distinguished career as an army ranger and he killed himself in 2014. Mm. And I, I wish that I would have had an opportunity 
to help him complete whatever that was in his head conversation wise. But I didn't, I didn't have the tools then that I have now. So, you know, one of my favorite um, artists is Lauren Daigle. And, you know, she's got a song that says, you know, I will send out an army. Mm -hmm. And that's what we are. We're the army and we're, we're here. You're not alone. You're not meant to be alone. You never were. Yeah. And if you feel alone, then pick up the phone, make a phone call. Those are my fundamentals. Love it. Beautiful. Stunning. Always. Jason, I know you've watched the show. Isn't it amazing, Dorothy and Jason? The fundamentals are never the same. They're never the same. And what's just there for me to speak to you on, you know, here we are. Uh, what, Dorothy, our first or second show in January? I don't know. Second. Thank you. <laughs> um, appropriately, yeah. Um, yeah pointing to what there is a point to in the fundamentals about the fundamentals is they are distinct. They're as distinct as our values, our missions. And as much as we are the same, we are unique. Um, And so, you know, we invite you, everybody out there in the audience to really not only, you know, take advantage of the fundamentals that are being given to you by these amazing humans that we get to have on the show and use them as tools over the next week or, you know, until the next show uh, to really start to notice what are yours? What are your three fundamentals? And to start to play with that and uh, lock in on yours and get that whatever's fundamentally there for you is perfect and divine. And as a reminder, our fundamentals are capital F-U-N, little D-U-H, capital M-E-N-T-A-L-S. So make them fun, make them simple, and embrace yourself is what's there to say on this uh, 2024, January of 2024. Back to you, Dorothy. Wow. This has been an incredible show all the way around. Uh, I I just can't thank you enough, Jason, for uh, coming on and sharing your story of your daughter and your wife, your first wife. And, um, you know, like I said, I don't believe in coincidences. And this is just uh, a great start to a solid new year. Um, And thank you so much for for being open and vulnerable enough to share that story. and may Ashley's life always be remembered, um, you know, because I, I truly, <laughs> in the eight years that she was here, she's still making an impact uh, years later, right? And so um, that was her purpose in life, I truly believe, uh, you know, <laughs> and uh, wow, I just uh, honored that you shared it here. Um, and is there any last words that you want to say before we wrap this show up? Yeah, I just want to acknowledge both of you for for your your podcast, for your show, for being who you are um, for the world, allowing people like me uh, a space to share um, in in providing that um, mode of communication to allow other people to hear the things that they need to hear at the time they need to hear it. You're saving lives. You really are. I, I, and I have a feeling you both get that. And so I just want to acknowledge um, that's that's playing a big game and um i'm i'm proud to know both of you and i'm honored to be here uh thank you for allowing me to share today and to everyone out there you were created on purpose perfectly mm-hmm. and if there's something in your head that's telling you otherwise the only way to you know get that dealt with is to be in conversation with someone about it and find someone that's really good at listening that you, that you trust that you can share it with and you know, there's a lot of people out there to call. I'm one of them. So, and I'm, I'm sure Dorothy will uh, have my contact information somewhere. Uh, call me, send me an email, connect with me on Facebook or LinkedIn. Like, you know, I'm here. I'm my brother's keeper. I'll listen. I love that. Thank you so much, Jason. Uh, and yes, uh, Jason's contact information is in the show notes. So definitely take a look at that. And if you can't find it, we'll connect you with Jason personally. So reach out Perfect. to either Kimberly or I, and uh, we're here for you. Um, we know what it's like to be in the pits of despair. And we've definitely worked our way out of that. And here we are uh, helping you do the same thing. So with that, guys, be unstoppable in all that you do. And remember, same time, same channel next week. Go to our YouTube channel, subscribe today. 
click on the bell icon so that you can get the next episode when it comes available. Uh, and we'll see you next week. Bye for now. <laughs>